0: Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus. Through this series, we'll be speaking to college and university leaders about the trends, ideas, and opportunities that are shaping the future of higher education and picking their brains for best practices and advice that leaders can apply to their own institutions. On today's episode, the Evolution's Editor-in-Chief, Amrita Alawalia, speaks with Michelle Fah, who is the Executive Director of Open Learning and Educational Support at the University of Guelph. We'll talk to Michelle about professional continuing education models and how a centralized model can help you better serve your adult learners. Let's get into it.
1: You know, this fundamental transition and change that's happening in the professional continuing ed space. You and I obviously are are contributors to a chapter in, in the upcoming Handbook of Online Learning where we talk about evolving models of professional and continuing ed, specifically as they relate to the online space. But... The topic that you took on was the idea of centralization and decentralization when it comes to the continuing ed model. So before we jump into the specifics of the topic, could you briefly describe the difference between centralized and decentralized continuing ed models?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm right. so. A centralized professional continuing education model within an institution, those, those, uh, the approach is designed to meet the needs of non-traditional learners, learners who are looking for more flexible, more fluid opportunities from that institution, perhaps looking to meet um, the requirements for smaller types of credentials. And these learners may or may not have had any sort of post-secondary experience in the past in any point in time in their life. Centralized departments serve as the front door to the institution's continuing education programming. So it's, you know, it sits, it's almost like um, you know, a, a doorway into the institution specific for these types of learners. And it provides a one-stop shop for the learners looking to enroll, to search, to to understand what uh, opportunities are available to them, including certificates, diplomas, shorter types of programs, modules, badging programs, those types of things, anything also that is stackable, um, that um, ladders into other programs, pathways. Centralized units are designed to be very efficient and they're effective in meeting their mandate and they have the ability to scale without adding additional resources. And they, um, the other thing that centralized units do is they provide the institution with rich, relevant and accurate data with respect to who are the learners that are coming to their institution and how is the institution meeting their learning needs. And then, you know, what other opportunities are out there. Decentralized units are distributed across the institution and in various faculties the approaches that they use, the standards, the language, the services that are offered, how they communicate, differ greatly from one unit to another, depending on the leadership of that unit and what the priorities and the importance of that activity is placed in it. So um, the experience that a a student can get in a decentralized model varies across the institution They don't scale effectively because individuals are doing these jobs, supporting the continuing ed as well as others. So um, they don't scale and um, the experience is very different.
1: Well, I'm curious then, you know, I, I think it's quite clear just from the descriptions of the two types of models that, that the centralized model is, is a little closer to your heart. And as you, as you look at the learner experience, as you look at the capacity for the division to, to scale and to grow and to serve the institution's needs, what are some of the pros of a decentralized model? Like, Why do some institutions decide or, I guess, fall backwards into that decentralized model as a way to manage continuing and professional ed?
2: Well, you're right. my um I definitely lean to more a more centralized model. Um, I think institutions fundamentally look to a decentralized model as a way of either reducing costs or distributing more broadly distributing revenues throughout the institution. So, Oftentimes it comes down to revenue departments uh, want to retain more of the revenue and they want more control. They assume they have some expertise and they have some resources. You know, they may have a, an admin who is working and could take this work on on the side of their desk without actually costing them more money. You know, they may have some people sitting and doing some marketing for their undergrad programs and they feel that they could actually market to this, this audience as well. So oftentimes it comes down to a financial decision and a you know a more controlled decision. So if institutions have centralized models where they are, you know, putting in resources, some financial resources, and it's some sort of an investment to maintain that unit, oftentimes these we see these decisions to decentralize come at a time when the institution is facing significant financial challenges and they're looking to just have some quick wins, which I would argue is not sustainable.
1: Well, it's interesting, right? To your point, it, it almost seems more like a very short-term reaction to uh, demands from departments, as opposed to sort of taking a broader scope as to how to improve non-degree or non-traditional learning institution-wide. I mean, as you mentioned, earlier, some of the benefits of a centralized model are you're streamlining a learner experience, you're making sure that there aren't overlaps in programming, you're not marketing or competing against yourself. So when we talk about the student experience, we tend to talk in generalities. When you think about the impact of a centralized PCE model on the learner experience, what are some of the concrete benefits that the institution is able to deliver students that simply are lacking or difficult to replicate in a decentralized environment?
2: So from a student perspective, a centralized model removes the confusion of the academy, right? So, you know, when you think about who traditionally comes to our institutions, they're, you know, 18 to 22 year olds, they understand that they're going to have to go through this rigid process. And they, in my mind, accept what those processes are. That can be very confusing for an individual who, A, has never experienced post-secondary education or has has been out of it a long time and is just looking to pick up some learning or some programs to upskill or reskill. So centralizing the professional continuing education removes the confusion and makes the institution more accessible to non-traditional learners. Learners will, when you have a centralized model that is designed specifically for them, they're going to understand what they can expect from you. They understand how to navigate the processes that you have in place and even how to get into their course environments. So, you know, I would argue right down to the design and development of our courses. If we take a centralized model in the design and development of our professional continuing education courses. There's clear navigation and an approach to that design and development. And, you know, we might use different teaching strategies, but the the overall thought that goes into that design and development are consistent. So when the learner enters that learning environment, they understand and they're not learning the environment every time they go in. Services and supports are designed with the learner in mind. So, you know, the language that we use is consistent. Our services may extend into weekends or in the evenings, or are designed to be accessible 24 seven when the learner actually needs to access those learners as opposed to it being a 8.30 to 4.30, or you need to come and drop off this form in person because that's not the real life of our learners. It provides the learner with an efficient way to access all of their learning needs. It's all in one, uh, in one area. And just broadly, the learner understands what the experience will be for them.
1: One thing that strikes me when we talk about centralized and decentralized is that the decision of which model to go to seems to come down to business objectives. Again, to your point, whether it's sort of a short-term business objective of we need to make sure each department is able to generate additional revenue in challenging times or the shift to centralized, which is we need to create sort of a scalable and sustainable model to deliver non-traditional learning over a period of time. Have you noticed since shifting to a centralized model, any kind of business impact that shows the value of that approach? at Guelph? Or do you have sort of anecdotes of other institutions that you've seen growing as a result of a similar shift?
2: Well, at Guelph, we've had a centralized model for decades. But what I would say is that, you know, in addition to the benefits, it's a much more nimble approach. So your units such as uh, mine and centralized models are able to Pivot quickly to meet the needs of various labor markets and meet the needs of various initiatives that are coming. And because we have workflows and processes that are in there, and we have specialized resources that can pivot and scale without adding additional resources. So... We are able to get more revenues back to the institution and meet the needs of more learners without actually having to add new expertise or add new people, new resources to be able to meet that need. So in in my experience, it's, it's really the ability to grow the business and take advantage of opportunities as they come and it changes in an evolving landscape that is evolving quickly without adding additional costs. Post-secondary education is, is not as nimble because it's a large structure. Um, it has lots of infrastructure, lots of policies, procedures, and rules, um, whereas continuing education, professional continuing education are often designed to be more nimble and to be, I would say, the innovators of the institution. So. We allow instructors to take a little bit more risk and and try out various pedagogical strategies and teaching approaches without being confined to the rules within the the institution.
1: I guess shifting gears a little bit, when you think about the implementation or development of centralized PCU models, and I mean, you have a breadth of experience uh, in terms of of your vision and, and focus on, on the continuing ed space in Canada, certainly. I mean, you, you have the presidency of the Canadian Association for University Continuing Ed. You've worked across a, a number of institutions over the course of your career. I mean, what are some of the obstacles to realizing a centralized PCE model? And, and what advice would you share for leaders who are trying to shift their institution in that direction of, of centralization?
2: Well, I guess I would say, if you're trying to move from a decentralized model to a centralized model, culture, obviously, at the institution is going to play a huge role. So you're going to have to take the time to communicate and ensure that everyone understands the benefits um, and how these benefits will be realized and how they will impact the various departments and faculties that are working in collaboration with the continuing ed unit. So it, it oftentimes comes down to incentives, you know, making sure that you are developing a framework and principles that enable and motivate faculties and departments and the the institution to be involved and engaged in a centralized st- structure. So I think that is critically important. So I think the obstacles are oftentimes culture and, and, and ownership, especially if it's being done, if it has been done um, that way for, for a long time, it's, it's how do we make a more centralized model and how do we get people to buy in? So it's it's making sure that you have the incentives there for that engagement. I think if I was, you know, speaking to leaders and, and thinking about how, Encouraging them to adopt a more centralized model, you know, to me, the institution is going to benefit uh, significantly from the efficiencies that are created when you have a unit that is specifically designed to meet this need. So you're not going to be replicating the same approach across faculties. You're going to benefit from, from the efficiencies. You're going to have employees that can specialize and provide more value to the learning experience, who are going to be more productive and get more out of their job, which is going to help with attracting talent and your retention. And I think it's going to have an institutional or a reputational impact because your credentials are going to be standardized. Individuals are going to know what it means to get a credential from this institution. So it actually protects the reputation of the institution and allows the institution to develop a brand, become known for offering high quality, accessible non-degree continuing education opportunities.
1: You know, as you were saying that, a comment that you made earlier kind of came back to the top of my mind, which is the idea of, you know, in a decentralized model, it's perceived deficiencies because you know maybe it's relatively simple to have an admin uh, you know, work on these programs off the side of their desk. You know there's a perception in a traditional faculty that the, the rigor and quality of the programming will translate. Can you walk through some of those gaps in the capacity for a traditional division to offer programming that's designed for a non-traditional audience? Like where would you see, the biggest opportunity for an expectation gap to emerge between what's being offered in in the student experience or in the program design and what a non-traditional student is looking for?
2: So I think uh, there's a couple areas I would say. First off, our instructors, our faculty are traditionally focused on um, teaching our traditional students, our our 18 to 22 year olds. They're not thinking about adult learning principles, uh, different types of pedagogies that specifically address the the adult who are bringing in oftentimes some real world experiences into the classroom and want to um, use that in their learning. So you could get a faculty member that traditionally lectures for three hours and that's not going to meet the needs of a non-traditional student. And so I would say that a centralized model enables you to ensure that you are looking through those teaching approaches and those pedagogies through the lens of an adult learner so that you are helping the faculty member understand the various teaching strategies that will be effective for this audience. The other thing I would say is that it really depends on how the department, the faculty, Prioritizes continuing education. So and that's not going to be consistent across all departments. So, you know, if you have a department that says, I want to develop this course, I know that there's an audience out there, I'm going to get my admin to work on this. The admin doesn't have marketing expertise, the admin doesn't have financial management expertise, the admin doesn't necessarily have learner service expertise. So They are going to try to fill all of those skills based on what they are skilled at doing, which potentially could just be, um, not just be, but administrating the, the work of the department. And so, you know, they're going to do that work, not effectively, it's going to potentially take them more time. But they're also going to do it on the side of their desk. So they're not going to prioritize it within the larger work, which is meeting the needs of their undergraduate students. So, you know, those in my mind are two big gaps. I think, you know, the other huge gap for me, once again, goes back to that front door. You know, we are going to have, you're going to have students that are going through potentially 30, 40 doors and the experience is going to be different and the experience that adult learners expect are a digital experience, Um, one door, they expect it to be there when they need it to be there, to get their answers when they need to get their answers and there's, you know, systems and infrastructure and platforms such as Modern Campus provide that experience That can't be replicated across, you know, 30 departments.
1: Well, I mean, Michelle, that pretty much does it on my end, but I'm curious if there's anything that you'd like to add about the benefits of shifting to a centralized professional and continuing ed model.
2: In my mind, it enables the institution to maximize the opportunities that are available to them for this non-traditional audience. Going forward, we know that upskilling and reskilling is priority and a need. We need to ensure that we continue to support individuals in developing new skills so that they can remain relevant in the labor market or advance in their careers. And there's a sizable audience out there for that. And universities have a significant role to play in that. And so um, a centralized approach ensures that Um, the institution is well positioned to be able to take advantage of that.
0: This episode is brought to you by Modern Campus in partnership with The Evolution. Modern Campus empowers higher ed institutions to thrive when radical change is required to deal with lower student enrollments and revenue, rising costs, crushing student debt, and even school closures. Powered by the industry's only student-first modern learner engagement platform, Presidents and provosts can work with Modern Campus to create pathways for lifelong learners while marketing and IT can deliver Amazon-like personalization and instant fulfillment. To find out more on how you can transform your institution to meet the needs of today's modern learner, visit ModernCampus.com That's ModernCampus.com To find out more on how you can transform your institution to meet the needs of today's modern learner, visit ModernCampus.com That's moderncampus.com.